Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Let me just ask you a question. There's probably a number of you here this morning. Maybe the, you run a company or you have your own business. Uh, you know, one of the first things I think someone does that takes leadership of any organization is um, you probably have, and you probably speak with your staff about your mission statement. Where exactly does this organization want to go? The first thing a good leader does is give, is give vision to the people that are going to be working together. If one person is going, you know, if you're on a bus and one person thinks it's going to California and one thinks it's going to New York, we're going to have problems on that bus. So having the same vision is incredibly important. That's why it's so, in my estimation, so incredibly important for us to have vision about this. You see... So often, we can start to just think that these are just like individual little stories and that, uh, you know, we kind of like try to piece these things together and we're trying to understand like what exactly is going on and what does the New Testament have to do with the Old Testament? And Brothers and sisters, let's just remember something. We're made in the image of God. So let's just for a minute understand that he's the most intelligent creature that there ever could be. Do you think God is just haphazardly, just kind of getting through, you know, one generation after another, and he just wants people to be nice, and he wants people to know him and become Christians, and that's a good thing, and they, they should do nice things. They should feed the poor. They should do a lot of good things. But brothers and sisters, honestly, if we are a people that have no idea what's in God's heart, and we're kind of just, you know, we come to church, we, we come together, but we don't really have a clue where God, where God is going in history. Let me just tell you this. We talk a lot about the beginning of the Old Testament, right? Genesis, most of us know about it. But in these books, Ezra and Nehemiah, would you open that for me, honey? Now, the Old Testament is really starting to talk to you about the end of the Old Testament. You see, now remember, quickly, we heard about it last week, we heard about it again, again this morning. The people of God, God started with un, one man, Abram. Then he had a family, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he had a nation. This nation of Israel was supposed to be the people who God used to, to present himself and show who he was to the whole world. They weren't going to be the only people that knew God, but they were going to be his vehicle. They disobeyed God. And so God warned them, if they disobeyed him, they would find themselves captives by their enemies. And that's exactly what's happened as we pick up the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They're now captives. We've got to understand if now, now Jerusalem's been ruined. Jerusalem is in, in ruins. It's been burned. 
But God said he would put his name in this city. He would put his name in Jerusalem. He would build his house in Jerusalem. Well, then why don't we just, well, Jerusalem's burned. Let's go do something else. Let's go somewhere else and do it. God has his own purposes in this world, and they may be waylaid, but how many believe in this room that God's going to have his purposes accomplished? Right? Amen. So now Jerusalem's destroyed. It's burned. It's a disaster. His people are captives. Let me tell you something. You've got to get this temple done, and you've got to get Jerusalem fixed, because where do you think Messiah's going to come? Uh, that's right. Remember? This is the very land the Christ is going to be born. So there's, there's a purpose here. There's a purpose. There's a God who has a purpose. There is a God who is moving toward his purpose all the time. You may see some defeat in the word of God. You may see it get waylaid for a while, but you can, but you can rest assured that God's eternal purposes, that means where he was going from eternity past to eternity future, is never going to be waylaid. And if, you know what? If we're Christians that kind of don't get, like, what's eternity future going to be like? You know, it's very difficult to live a Christian life if it's just about, well, I go to church, I know the Lord, and someday I'll die, and I'll go to heaven, and I don't have a clue what's going to happen after there. You know, so I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know. We'll just leave that with God. Do you know what? <laughs> Did I just say that God's the most intelligent being in the world? How many would think that if you're a bright person and you've got a purpose and, and you're a, moving toward that purpose, don't you think you want people that kind of get it? Right? With me? Don't you think you want people who kind of know where you're going, what you're going to do? You know, you have a God. It says in Genesis that, that the Lord walked. He came in and visited Adam and Eve in the garden. Isn't that amazing? He visited them. But Nehemiah starts a prayer, and he says this, O God of heaven, O God of heaven, hear us. Listen to me, saints. He doesn't want to be just God of heaven. Did you hear me? He doesn't want to be just God of heaven. And in a few weeks, one of these days real soon, I'm going to show you how Genesis and Revelation totally correspond to each other. Because in Genesis, he's walking in the garden, but in the Revelation, when it's all coming to an end, he lives in the midst of his people. The temple of God is no longer just stones and rocks. He is now living among a people in the Revelation. He is now God of heaven and God of earth. You see, God, for some reason that we don't understand, I can't explain it to you, he wants to live with human beings. He wants to live among human beings. What I see here is two different Christian lives. Let me tell you what I mean. You could have been a captive in Babylon, and even as Naeem said this morning, if you were a captive in, Na in, in Babylon, you had a good life. That's where the Jews started synagogues. They had their own little worship. The Jews ascend everywhere they go, commercially. They be started to become very successful. They didn't have to leave Babylon. They were comfortable there. They didn't need to go. But God started to stir the hearts of people and said, okay, 
okay, you've got what you want. You've got your homes. You've got your families. You even come and worship me. But I'm sending out a call, and this is the call. Who will care more for just their, not just their personal life and their personal getting what they want in the, them personally getting what they want in life? And who will care for me to get what I want? Did anybody hear me? I want to tell you that the birth of this church was birthed on these books of Ezra, Nehemiah, Chronicles, because in some little way, in 1975 or so, a few of us heard about this and heard, and God stirred our hearts. And we started to hear, and God stirred our hearts, and we started to hear a call that said, will you let go of your own comfortable life and will you work with me that my purposes can be achieved in this world? Will you leave Babylon and come and see my city, my, my purposes accomplished? Well, we're not building a literal building, are we anymore? Are we building a temple with stones anymore? Brothers and sisters, hang on with me. Because I want to tell you something. I'm going to be talking more about this stuff in the weeks to come. Because I want to tell you. If I didn't believe what I'm telling you right now, God is my judge. I never would have laid my life down for the last almost. Joe and I would never be laying our lives down for 40 years as we have. Because we got a vision that you can live a personal Christian life and even be spiritual. You can be spiritual. You can know God. That's, you can be spiritual as a person. But there's something more in the Christian life, and that's this. God is building a people together. If you go in the revelation, what you see at the end is not a bunch of individual Christians, but you see a city which stands for interrelationships. What stands for... Uh, the city of God, it says the city, New Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven on the earth. That is where we're going. It's going to be a city that God is going to inhabit, and they're going to be people. I, I think there'll be different classes of people. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get, get in trouble going here. But I want to tell you this. God today is looking for people who will build their lives together for a holy habitation for his spirit. And you know what? If you go in the Revelation, you see churches in the beginning. What are the names of the churches? Is it the First Baptist Church of uh, Memphis? Is it the Methodist Church? The only names you see in churches in the Revelation is that geographic. They're just Thyatira, Laodicea. What does that tell me? I'll tell you what it tells you. It tells you that God comes and calls people. Listen to me. Some of you are edgy. You've been sitting here a while. Please hang with me for a few minutes. I want to tell you something. What I'm telling you right now is one of the most important things you will ever hear. You'll make your decision one way or the other. But I'm telling you something that is not Sunday morning, you know, just... Um, God wants to make you prosperous and healthy and well. God builds people.
people together. This place that you're sitting in started with a little group of people in the early 70s that heard this voice that says, God wants to build a people together. You know what that means? It means we're not just a bunch of individuals anymore. It means you've got to come and bring your gift and your function. We've got to learn how to live together and walk together. That means we fight together in this church. That means we disagree with each other in this church. But it means that we believe in something higher. We believe that God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And for those who hear this call and for those who will let God build them together for a habitation for his spirit, that the world may say, you know what? There's something different about those people over there. I don't know what it is, but there's something different. They love each other differently. I don't know. You know what? There's black and white. There's men and women. There's old. There's young. I don't know. There's something different about that place. You, as the church, allows God to build it. We become a prophetic picture to the world of what is going to be in the day when Jesus sets his throne up in Jerusalem. All of the dividing walls that now divide people will no longer be there. I'm telling, what what's my bottom line as we come to this table? This table isn't just about you coming individually to be blessed. It's not about you just coming to be healed, or me either. It's about the fact that God wants people. He's looking for, uh, he's looking for a corporate. He's looking for, that wall that was built was one family after another. It was the Joneses and the Smiths and the, and the you, you name it. And I want to tell you something. God's highest plan in this generation is to build the local church. To build the local church. Do you hear me? It's not just an organization. It's not just we want to come together because we like each other. It's an organism. And this is the last thing I want to say when we go to the table. And I know I've talked over a lot of people's heads. But you know what? I'm coming to a conclusion. You've got to talk over people's heads if you want to bring them up higher. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the Christianity you know, I see all around me. I don't want to just give God my tithe and just, you know, come to church on Sunday. I want to know who he is and what he thinks. I want to know what moves his heart. I want to know God. And I want to be somebody that when I meet him in those last hours, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful service. You worked with me. You didn't work against me. Do you know how many Christians are going to find out in the end? that they did good works, but it had nothing to do with God. Listen, he's not some far away somewhere, somewhere kind of like kind of old man just rubbing his eyes. Just be good to each other, kids, will you? God has a purpose. He has a heart. And the people that left Babylon had their hearts stirred and said, I'm going to go and take that four months dangerous journey. There were thieves on the road. It was through a desert. Do you think it was fun for those people to leave Babylon and come to this broken down Jerusalem with burned walls and burned stones? And you think that was a, you think that was something they really wanted to do? Who in this room will say, I want to leave. I want to leave my comfortable Christianity and build a house for God. I want, I want to be a part of building something that'll last and eternal. You saw Naeem up here this morning. That's warfare. You know why? He's another generation who's picking up, who's picking up the, 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 the uh, mantle. Let me tell you something. I'm not interested in just professional speakers to come in here. 
One of the things that the church has to recover is we're not just a bunch of, it's not just the clergy and the lady, the professional people and then all the rest. God's people are God's people. You've got a function and you've got a calling and you've got a gifting. And God needs every one of us on the wall. And the devil will do anything to get you off the wall. I often said this. I told you it's the last thing I want to say and I'm going to really try it. One of my greatest teachers said this. T. Austin Sparks. He said this. He said the church is either a bouquet of cut flowers or it's a plant. You know what a plant means? You've all got the same life. You're flowing in the same life. Cut flowers, you're all different. You're separate. You look pretty in a vase. The real church is an organism, brothers and sisters. It's not an organization you join. It's a life you enter. And a plant goes through seasons together. It goes through winter. It goes through summer, spring, fall. And you know what happens in winter in churches? People say, ah, this church is dead. I don't know. You know what? I don't even think the I don't even think the spirits here anymore. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, let's let's try somebody else. And you know what? They go to a church that's in summer, and they say, "Now this is what I'm talking about." Until that church goes through a winter. I'm saying that there's one life, and I'm really stepping out now to tell you this. I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't have laid my life down, and neither would Joe, for a vase with cut flowers. I can walk into a church, and sometimes. By the grace of God, I can immediately tell whether there are a bunch of individuals or whether there's one life going on there. I hope and pray that that's one of the reasons why people walk into this place and say, I don't know, there's love there. I don't know, they're like a family. I can't put my finger on it. I hope and pray that that's, maybe that's not the words they have, but maybe, God, if, you're, if, if I'm right, God, maybe... I want to take it. I want to believe that that's because it's your one life in this place. I want to believe that it's God telling us. Some of us here have heard the call and laid our lives down for this. Someday we'll find out if it's been, it's been as much God as I hope it has. This is what I want you to. This is what I want to leave you with at the table. I know it's. I've kept you too long. Sorry to jump off and, and, and do this after Naeem, but I, I almost pulled the mic out of James's hand last week, last Sunday, because these books are so precious to me. I would never, never have laid my life down to see Jesus get his church if I didn't have some glimpse that there's an individual Christian life and then there's the building of the church. Who will build the church? Who will submit to each other that means you that means you collide it means sometimes God puts you next to somebody a stone next to you that you can't you really don't get along with but you gotta rub you gotta get you gotta rub each other because you have a vision that there is a God he's not some like I said he's not off somewhere unaware he's the Lord of the church do you know how many churches are just human beings trying to decide what to do that's not the church. The church is people who are in touch with God by his spirit and are building along with him. You can come up for the table. If, not, if, if Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel 
and the thousands of people that left Babylon, had they not risked their lives, had they not responded to God, then tell me what God would have done. What would have happened? What Jerusalem would there be for Jesus the Christ to ever come to? Brothers and sisters, I'm looking for, because I think God's looking for, men and women in this place and at this hour who want to know God's heart, want to know church history enough to know where is this thing called the church going? I just want to ask you as you come to this table, this table is about, this bread is my body. Not just his physical body, but this bread represents the body of Christ. If you have never committed yourself not only to Jesus Christ as Lord, but to giving yourself to him to say, Lord, I give myself to you for the building of your church, for your purposes in my, in my lifetime. Brothers and sisters, if you're running around and you're talking about justification by faith, we already had that. That was Martin Luther. If you're running around and saying, we need to be sanctified, well, that was Wesley. If you're running around and saying, well, you know, water immersion is very important, well, that's what the Anabaptists. In other words, God's recovering his truths and recovering his truths, and you've got to live in the generation of what is he doing in your generation, not what he did five generations ago. What is he doing today in our generation? Don't you want to work with him? Don't you want to be a part of what he's doing now to see him get his see him get his eternal purposes accomplished? Well, Father, these things are way over our heads and certainly over mine. But Father, today and this morning, even as James started last week, we've heard your clarion call to come and understand that you behind history, you are the God who has a purpose, and you are a God who is moving. You're a God who is working in your people, and you have, an, you have a, a place you're going. You're not haphazard. Father, as we come to this table, Lord Jesus, that you died to provide for us, we hold up this bread today, and we remember that you called us not to be just individuals, but to be people to be part of your body, hands and feet, head, uh, eyes and mouth and ears. Lord, we come to this table today and say, we ask you, how are we doing individually with our relationships in this place? How are we doing with the, with the woman or man that really gives us a bad time in this church? The, the one that we really, really don't like, the one who hurt us, the one who offended us, Lord, you're looking for us to have reality, not only with you, but with one another in this place. You're looking for a real family, your family here. So, Father, I pray that despite my inadequate words, your call to give our lives to the building of the ch your church, your people, the city on a hill, the place where people can look at and say, there's something different. Lord, we pr I pray that there'll be some people in this room today 
that won't hear my words, but they hear, they hear yours. So, Father, we take this bread today that represents your body and say, Lord, may you get in this place your heart. Let your heart be satisfied in this place, Lord. And let there be men and women who leave Babylon today, in this day, just like they did so many years ago, to see to it that you've got your temple, to see to it that the walls went up around the city. May you get men and women like that today. And, Lord, we don't forget in this wine, in this juice, we don't forget the price you paid to get a bride who loves you, the price you paid to get a city where you will be the light, and that city will be, Lord, the people who have loved you and served you. Lord, you paid dearly to get your heart's desire. Get it and get it in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.